When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. All right, welcome back to Film Study Week 2. This is the first show looking back at the Sunday night football game against the Chiefs. And we're going to take a look at the defense. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing good. It's, it's hard to complain after a game like that. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Unbelievable game. Uh, one of the games already being talked about is one of the greatest ever played at home. Uh, Sarah Ellison here to join us today. Sarah, how you doing? I'm, I, I, th- I feel like it's 24 hours later, and after the show, I'm going to finally come down off of my high. <laughs> but it's been a fun 24 hours, that's for sure. It sure has. And, uh, you know, a lot has, a lot has passed already. This first 24 hours of the game, very hectic. I usually don't even take the time to enjoy it personally. I don't know about you. You probably have a lot of writing and podcasting and various things you do after the game. But, uh, boy, it's, it's constant work for me. But I've just been enjoying going through these plays as I can to, to really see some of the things. The fourth and one play like Lamar, I probably watched 10 times. The Adafi away forced fumble, I probably watched 20 times in terms of just I still cannot believe he had the reach to get in there mm-hmm. and knock mm-hmm. the ball loose. We're going to talk about the defense today. And, you know, normally this is an uneven, to say the least, defensive effort, N- not the sort of thing that we'd be so outlandishly happy to do if for a win over anyone else other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, right. I mean, it's two weeks in a row. The defense has given up a lot of yards, a lot <clears> of yards. Uh, but as you said, came up with the big plays when it mattered most. Yeah. 
Okay, before we get too far into this, let's make sure we get all your plugs in, your hand, your Twitter handle, other projects you're working on. So I'm mostly on Twitter, at SG Ellison. So mostly just tweet a lot there. And then uh, after the game, Kadriish, after each game, Kadri Ishmael and I uh, do a, uh, a fan came up with this, uh, Sarah and Q Ravens Review. Has okay. a little a little ring to it, right, Cam? Sure does. <laughs> so that's, that sounds good. That's that's kind of what we're calling it. Uh, we do it on Twitter post post pressers. All right, very cool. Uh, certainly felt like a playoff game in a lot of ways. The Ravens and certainly a lot of the fans thought the season is on the line. Not only that, just the incredible barrage of bad injury news that's happened over the past two and a half weeks or so. Uh, you know, since that last preseason game really has been, it's been so devastating in terms of all the IR moves uh, that the Ravens really needed some good news. I mean, I've felt this way in terms of, of uh, you know, just mental health and approaching this kind of work personally. It, it, it was such a classic Ravens against their backs against the wall. Everything's against them. Nobody believes in them. And then suddenly that's when they do their best work. It was just the resiliency that just come. I mean, everything stacked against them from, as you mentioned, the injuries. And uh, I didn't, I personally didn't think if the Ravens lost that you know, the season was going to be over or that they could get to the playoffs, obviously it would be much harder. Um, but, you know, I was like, you know, I, all the, all the AFC North teams have to play the chiefs, right? Is that, uh, yes, yeah, so yeah. all of them have to play. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I you know, I was like, it could very well be a loss for everybody. Raiders, you know, beat, beat the Steelers, so they look like a, a, a legit threat. So, um, but it felt, it did feel like a, a playoff atmosphere, especially fans coming back from a year off in COVID. Yes. Um, you know, the, the narrative that Lamar Jackson has never beaten the Chiefs, it, you know, we didn't want him to go down 0 and 4. Uh, it was just, it was just, everything was, was stacked against them. And it just, this is what makes you love the Ravens. It's like when they're down, when their backs are against the wall, it's when they put in their best performances. Yeah. It just, it's not even on a game basis. We're going to get into this a little bit. It really came down to the series in the game and, and you know, the, the turn and the ebb and the flow of this game as well, in terms of them having mm -hmm. their backs to the wall and coming back. Let's go back to the start of the game though. A lot of the, the finishing touches they put on this, and a night game in Baltimore is exciting for a lot of people. I personally can't stand them. I, I wish they played all of them and on, on Sunday at 1 o'clock, but that's me being an old man now and wanting to get my analysis done before I have to sleep. Listen, <laughs> even 20, but again, if 20-year-olds were doing what you were doing, they wouldn't like it either. Most people go to bed after the game. You there, are going up all night. Yeah, there you go. So in, in any case, the, the, the lights on, lights off stuff was very cool. Additionally, very cool was the, the tribute to Michael Williams and the, the Omar theme being played. And I, I just, I, I, I heard it and I said, this is perfect. It's, it's cool. It's a little bit creepy. And you want that any kind of a defensive, uh, you know, us against them kind of thing. And it's so totally Baltimore. And it, it, it's the perfect kind of a thing to be the Baltimore theme for years to come, in my opinion. Well, and I'll even be more specific. So um, I feel like it should be, Lamar specific, you know, you, you had, you had Ray Lewis coming out with his signature stuff. It's getting hot in here. He had his dance because uh, full disclosure, I've never watched the wire, which I know people are going to hate me for. I mean, mm -hmm. it's such a Baltimore show. Um, so this maybe discredits me from, from even talking about it, but I obviously know the wire. I know Omar, I know all the, the references to it, but 
Omar is like the baddest guy in Baltimore, right? Yep. He's the baddest guy. The whistle, you know he's coming. It's Omar's coming. Lamar Jackson is the baddest guy in Baltimore right now. He has that crown. And it's just so fitting because it, uh, we were just talking about the backs against the wall. It doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter who else is missing. If Lamar is on the field, the Ravens have a chance to win. I mean, they're they're missing they're missing Ronnie Stanley they're missing Marcus Peters they're missing the top three running backs but Lamar makes this team go so bring on that whistle and it's specifically his turn to come out and everybody knows Lamar's coming and people better be nervous that's that's an that's I like that thought also and Lamar and Omar being you know somewhat similar it's kind of cool that that you have that but I I also like the fact that the the stadium. PA system they set at a blaring level and I don't think that's just me being old I mean when I was young I really hated being in loud bars all the time because they were just playing music really loud to make you drink more so I understand mm-hmm. the, the, the financial reason for it the marketing reason for it but I don't like it I don't like to have blared on because conversation is a normal part of activity for me and you know it just I was really not liking that about the game the thing I really did like is quiet the stadium down and put on this little creepy whistling thing and get the fans really focused then at that point of, oh, I got to be listening involved in this and, oh, I got to cheer here because the loudspeaker isn't going to do it for me. And that, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a thing I think is, is really important. I hope we get that back in Baltimore. A lot of other stadiums, Las Vegas included, I think they've lost a lot of that. I think the fans you know, just kind of give up on cheering because it doesn't make that much difference in terms of the noise level. Yeah, I got you. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't stand noise either. <laughs> so I mean, at least ones where I can't even think. So uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you there. It but was I'm also, still, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it was also a neat story that David Simon, the creator of the wire, didn't know they were going to do it and was outside of the stadium heading in when he heard the whistle. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's a cool story. All right, let's go. Let's go talk about the game a little more. Greatest, Game in Ravens home history. It's got a crowded group there with the 2000 Jacksonville game, the 2003 Seattle game, the 2012 New England game, the 2006 San Diego game. You probably go on and list a number more. 2018 Cleveland probably now is in that group. Does this does this become an instant classic in your mind at the same level as those others I just mentioned, Sarah? So you can speak more to the 2000 Jacksonville and 2003 Seattle. So I came on to the Baltimore scene in 2005. Um, I could probably go back and do my research, uh, but I didn't. I spent my time on film study (laughs) in the last 24 hours. But so I'll compare it to since I've been around, which is 2005. And I would put the, as you mentioned, the 2012 New England game right there with it, both games, have major adversity. Tory Smith, his brother, had just passed away. Mm-hmm. They're both on Sunday night. The Ravens are trying to get uh, their monkey off the back a little bit. They had just lost in the AFC Championship game to the to the Pats, mm-hmm. so they want that monkey off their back. Um, there was like almost with Tory Smith's brother passing away, and every time he caught the ball, he'd like point up. So it almost gave almost this divine ele- element, like it was bigger than what that day. The game was bigger than what even as big as it was, it was bigger than that because we were thinking of his brother. There was questionable calls by the rest. It was decided by one point. Uh, Ravens fans probably hated Pat's, Pat's more than we hate Casey now. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. At least I did. I couldn't stand Belichick and Brady. Uh, I, I don't hate 
Patrick Mahomes the way I hated Brady, you know, so at least that was me. However, and maybe, and I, there, there might be some recency bias here. I give this one a slight edge because I think the monkey was bigger for Lamar because everybody had said, well, Flacco outplayed Brady in that AFC championship game, right? It was on Cundiff and Lee Evans. So to me, and, and the Ravens already won and won. So they already had a win under the belt. Ravens this time were 0-3 against the Chiefs, 15 players in injured reserve, again, coming off of COVID. Lamar, um, Ray Lewis is in the building. Uh, so to me, I give this a slight edge over that 2012 game. Okay, well, fair enough. I think in terms of the excitement of the actual game, um, it certainly is right there with any of these others. And, and, uh, and I would agree with you on the, in terms of the New England monkey versus the Kansas City monkey. They haven't lost to Kansas City in the playoffs yet. They beat them the only time and beat them pretty handily in Kansas City the only time they played them in the playoffs. Kansas, with New England, they have some playoff losses that are, that are in the back. And the 2011 AFC Championship game was the big one uh, right. that they were just salty about still. So I understand. Okay, let's move on. Um, this is a very different formula for the Ravens to win a game on defense. And they didn't, they, I mean, they, they won the game with a big play on defense. But if you look back at the 1999 to 2020 Ravens, it's a 22 year period. That team more than anything was known for winning play after play defensively, winning a huge percentage of the individual plays during a football game. And that's a lot of things for you. It runs up your Devoa for starters, which is a lot of, mm-hmm. people, you know, try and rank, opposing defenses by it also is is largely behind a lot of the scoring margin that the Ravens have have enjoyed over that entire period and a lot of the turnover margin is generated by the fact you get teams into unfavorable down and distance situations first but then also into unfavorable game situations where a lot more turnovers occur by interception of course uh, when the when the trailing team is is trading turnovers for yards. But the the thing that was different about this game is they didn't win a lot of plays in this game. In fact, they got right. really stopped uh, <laughs> you know, play after play in this game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it was to say it's like a different formula from the past. I don't think this is like a formula they're going for. <laughs> I think that it's, you know, no, not I, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a formula they're going for. It's just they're just not haven't been able to stop the last two. And so, but I would also say it's a little bit of a different formula, even from last week, because I felt like the Ravens held up, the Ravens defense held up for two and a half, three quarters against the Ravens and then broke down in the fourth quarter. And it was the exact opposite this week. They were just couldn't stop uh, outside of a few drives. They really couldn't stop the Chiefs anywhere. And then finally, starting in the very end of the third quarter and then all the way to through the fourth, uh, that's when they got their key stops. It was when it mattered most. And the question is, is, is this going to be the Ravens we see going forward? Because right now the Ravens are number 32. We're only two weeks in. They're number 32 in fast defense. <laughs> now, is that because, you know, the Ravens, I mean, obviously they've sustained a lot of injuries in, in the secondary. We expected the secondary to be the strength of the team. Um, down Marcus Peters, they were down Deshaun Elliott, down West Street, down Jimmy Smith. So some of those guys will be coming but, uh, up. Are they number 32 because they're really not this great and because of injuries? Or is it because you just faced the number one and number two passing attack in the league right now? Is that or a maybe, rhetorical <laughs> question or did you want me to answer it? <laughs> well, well, that's, that's what I think we need to figure out. But I, I would like to think the Ravens are better than number 32 on past defense. 
Yeah, they they are. And I'm not I'm honestly not concerned about this being who the Ravens are. I, I, I think it's it's pretty clear that's not the case. And as we go through this game, I mean, I think it's it's fairly clear what was actually causing most of the past defense weakness. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that certainly as we go. But are you going to say yak? Uh, I, I, I'm going to say middle of the field coverage is really okay. the problem. So it's no, really the inside yeah. linebacker coverage unit is what's really letting the, leaving the Ravens yeah, down. Yeah. And the only, I, I'll toss the stat out here. That's the killer right away is um, inside linebackers. When targeted in this game, 13 of 13 for 191 yards and one touchdown. It was, it was, I'm glad you had the stat. I didn't have the stat, but I could have told you it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it's uh it's, Pretty unbelievably awful. And, and Mahomes always seems to have very extreme stats against the Ravens, but there wasn't really any breakdown in this game where the Ravens really looked good, either by, by any package that they played a significant amount or by any um, breakdown of down, distance, number of pass rushers, any of that stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was all pretty darn bad. I want to go yeah. back to what you said, though, that, that the end of the game, they really came back. And, and I mentioned that, you know, they didn't win a lot of plays in this game, but they really came back and they won seven plays at the end of the game. And that's what did it for them. But if you look at it, the drive beginning Q3, 314, which you mentioned is the, is the place where they started after they'd allowed touchdowns, I mm-hmm. think, on three straight drives. Yes, on three straight drives. Then they had tackle by Matabike for minus five, a pass right to three where Humphrey made a quick tackle, and then the interception by Young off the quarterback hit by Oway. So they won those mm-hmm. three plays. The next mm-hmm. drive, they have a run right for minus two, a pass left for three, tackle by Averett, and then an incomplete pass defense by Averett off pressure. So another On good one. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, yeah. He, he played Tyreek Hill, by the way, four targets in this game for either 15 or 20 yards. I don't remember the exact total, but it wasn't impressive. Um, and then they and then they had the strip by Oway, and that's the only play they won on that last drive. But it was enough. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was enough. It was enough. I was sure they were going to be setting up for the game-winning field goal. Yeah. And thinking to myself, well, even though the Ravens have lost this, they've shown they're not who everybody was worried they were going to be after after the Raiders. They went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and this and this offense, and then Oway comes up big time. Yeah, that's, that, that was a huge – you rarely have a defensive play that gives you that kind of a swing and win probability, but that might have been a 55% swing and win probability, maybe more. I mean, it's just – it's unheard of to, to get that kind of a, uh, a problem. And it only happens in this kind of a game where a field goal will make the difference right at the end and then there's a turnover. It's, it, it, yeah. it has to be that sort of a situation. Or, you know, Malcolm Butler's interception at the goal line in the Super Bowl is, a, is that kind of play. Well, but speaking to like the formula you talked about where the Ravens mm-hmm. have, you know, done really well at just limiting each consistently each little play. Um, even even in this more recent era, they've been that way, but they have lacked, I feel like, big play potential that we always had from like the Ed Reed or Trail Suggs or Ray mm-hmm. Lewis. You knew that in in those big moments, the way or the way we felt about Troy Palomalo or you know, whoever else, like who's going to come up in these moments and come up big. And I feel like you kind of have that with Humphrey. He, with the punch out kind of had it with Marcus Peters with the interceptions, but now he's out for the season. And so it's like, is this, is Oway that guy now is Oway another guy that we can say it's where we only have two games. So it's maybe too early to say, but that's the hope. I, you know, that's the hope. Is this the next, outside linebacker that when you need a play in big moments that always 
can deliver? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and and you know, an outside linebacker is almost never going to be the same kind of a turnover potential that a that a great defensive back or a safety in particular will be. Um, but but he's he has that look as a guy who can make all sorts of plays, and and you know, it does not at this moment seem like an overdraft. I feel, I feel kind of even silly thinking back to our thing and how much everybody wanted <laughs> Jenkins right at that point. <laughs> well, well, Ken, I don't know if you've seen it, but fans fans still do it. There's a a screen grab of me from your show that night where the Ravens just passed over Tevin Jenkins. And again, I didn't have anything against Oway. I just really wanted to tackle. And I was, right. and I, and I allowed myself to fall in love, but I'm like this. <laughs> show. Like, like I couldn't believe it. And people still like keep, you know, tweeting it to me. And I'm like, Hey man, <laughs> I know. I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't the one making the choice. Yeah, it's funny to look back on that show for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things. Though it would have been really nice, and I I don't feel bad about all the bad things I said about Ben Mason and wanting to get a backup tackle or a defensive lineman at that point, especially now. So, right, right. Uh, anyway, we're we are where we are on that. Uh, let's see, what do we got? What do we want to talk about next? So one with just a few plays. One thing I wanted to get back to was Mahomes unloading the ball quickly. Um, really shredded the Ravens. And that's a little unusual. In fact, it's a lot unusual because I group the passes by the opponent into three categories. There's the ample time and space opportunity where they can sit back there and make a sandwich. They have three seconds in the pocket and they take a long, and all quarterbacks will basically pick you apart if they have those sorts of opportunities. They'll be over eight yards of throw, well north sometimes, um, but they'll still, still certainly be at that. Then, there, then when you don't get ample time and space, those are really split into two categories. Number one are places where there's a pressure event. And the Ravens did have 11 pressure events on 31 plays as I scored it. But the others are uh, ball out quick or BOQ situations. And Mahomes had a stretch in this game when they were scoring three straight touchdowns where he was just throwing the ball out quick every time. Didn't matter if he thought pressure was coming or not. And I'm going to take you through what the plays were when he did that. So it, it began on the first of their three straight touchdown drives. They were all 67 yards plus, maybe between 67 and 75, each of them. But he passed left for four, passed left for 14, passed medium for 20, passed left for 14, passed right for five, passed left for 11, passed medium for 40. That's the, the throw to Ping Pringle that went for the touchdown, and passed left for five. All those ball out quicks, he had eight consecutive completions in there, and that drove two touchdown drives and into the third. Then he had an ample time and space opportunity, incomplete. Yeah, of course, because why would he need time or anything, or what could he do with time? And then they got a pressure on him with Queen on a blitz. They got a pressure with him and Matt Abike. And, of course, that turns into the 3 plus 43 missed tackle fest for, uh, for Kelsey. So are you saying all of these were the ball out quick? Ball out quick. So that's the intermediate category. It's the quarterback gets rid of the ball before there's time for the pressure to develop, but I still judge that pressure would have developed within three seconds because otherwise I would have called it an ample time and space. So these are well, cases. Was, yeah. Sorry. I was just saying, I like, as I'm trying to like think through, you know, watching the film today, there were just so many times where sometimes in the middle, it's just like queen playing super soft coverage yep. or Malik Harrison getting burnt by Travis Kelsey. Like he had no business, no business trying to do that. And this will probably lead into the next section of the inside linebackers. So, yep. <laughs> honestly, so those, that didn't help. But then there were other times where it was just these quick outs. Like it'd be like third and four. And then they would just run right to the sticks 
And sometimes guys would get there, wouldn't like get touched off the line of scrimmage at all. And so it was just like all these quick little outs or right there in the middle, just pick on the inside linebackers. And so I don't know if that, that how many of those contribute to the ones, the nine that you just named, but as you're naming all those, that's what was coming to my mind as I had watched film. Yeah. I mean, it was, they were picking the middle of the field apart. Most ball out quicks, they don't end up being a deep ball. You can throw a deep ball fairly early, like in about 2.2 seconds, but usually you've, you've, it's more determined whether there's going to be a pressure or not by then. Um, the, 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 the deep ball, sorry, the, the, short balls that he was getting all these slants and outs and screens to the outside and, you know, short outs to Kelsey and Kelsey just making somebody look like an idiot off the line of scrimmage by selling a fake really well, which we saw at least on Harrison a couple of times, times. you know, all, all of that um, was happening in this sequence. And they just realized, okay, look, we're not going to mess with deep stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We don't have to do that. We'll take Mm -hmm. a lot of easy throws here and, and they're just pitch and catch throws with tons of yak involved. And of course it's very frustrating. Um, this one, he went eight for eight for 113 yards on those plays. So, uh, it, and, and it, by the way, it was everybody it had a pass to Pringle for 40, it passed to Kelsey. This was before the 46th. Kelsey had another catch for 20 with some yak, it, mm-hmm. a throw to bell, their backup tight end, you know, and he, and he went for 20, a throw to Burton. Who's Burton. Yeah, well, that was like the Ravens were like purposely, obviously trying Mm -hmm. to take Tyreek Hill out of it, which they did, and they were like beat us with somebody else, and they almost did. Patrick Mahomes went to nine different receivers versus uh, over on the Ravens that I think Lamar went to five different receivers. I mean, he just Mahomes just kept finding whoever the open guy was, and, and he just made it look easy. Yeah, he, he, he sure did. And it was it was one of these games. I mean, I should just stop complaining about it. But the last one going to McKinnon, um, it was just another name that bothered me. And then it was a very, very bad tackling effort by Queen on that play. Got driven down the sidelines about maybe five, six yards after the catch made it extra bad. Um, tough game. Anyway, that brings us really to the next topic, which is these inside linebackers getting bullied like there are a bunch of sixth graders on the playground here with, you know, in the middle, wherever sixth graders are the lowest, you know, sixth yeah. to ninth grade or something. You understand what I'm saying here? Uh, it, it was one of these things that I, you know, we need Queen to take a big step forward. He's become more important to take a step forward with a couple things. First of all, the loss of Fort at inside linebackers, the only guy we had who understood what was going on in the past game. And second of all, the fact that so many of the other um, playmakers uh, are now imperiled with injury. We might have lost to Sean Elliott. You know, right. I don't know what Williams' status is right now. It's very important Queen take this step forward. And unfortunately, I think this game was probably a step back, if anything. It wasn't a step forward even from last year's disastrous Kansas City game for him. Yeah, I just felt like, you know how I do, I've said this last time, like, uh, you know, when I'm going through the plays, you know, if, if somebody has a bad play, I just color the font, their name red. And if it's a good play, you know, I'll color the font blue. There were just so many times I had Queen in the red. And a lot of it did have to do with coverage. Again, it just felt very soft, like very, uh, you know, and maybe that's what Wink wanted. Like, don't let anything get over your head. Don't give up the big play or whatever. It was just, but it was all just so soft. Like, it just seemed like, and maybe that's why Mahomes could get, you know, things out so quickly because he was playing so far off. And then, and then on top of it, uh, Ken, what really bothered me because I already knew about his coverage issues and, you know, that he's coming along. And then of course it's Mahomes And so, and it's Kelsey and it's all these one, you know, great receivers. It was his tackling that bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of missed tackles. Yeah. What, what good is that speed? And you want the speed, but what good is the speed? 
if you get there and then you just slip off the guy. I, I, can't, I mean, I counted, and again, I don't do it officially, but I counted at least three missed tackles. Mm-hmm. And, and he had put himself in good position and then just slipped right off of him. And I'm like, Man, you're, the, you're the middle linebacker, but you're the enforcer. And I know it's different from back in the day of Ray Lewis, but man, he just let these guys slide right through. It was driving me nuts. Yeah, it's a it's a combination of things, but it was coverage tackles. It was everything, and he led the team in tackles. It's not like he didn't have a lot of tackles right, in the game. He right. had eight tackles, but I had a list here, and I'm hoping I can find this in in he just a second a here. More. Yeah, the the eight tackles he made were on run right for nine, pass left for ten, run middle for nine, pass left for fourteen, run middle for seven, pass left for five. That was actually on a second and nine, so it was a defensive win surprisingly run right for three. That's where he caught Mahomes just short of the sticks and pass middle for eight. That is not what you want from your defensive, from your inside linebacker to make tackles that far off the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't just a problem with, you know, him being in coverage and being soft. He'd pick up some tackles on that. And you saw how many passes there were. It's, it's a matter of he's, he missed some tackles as well, or he got dragged on some tackles, like on the McKinnon play on that left sideline. Oh, is that where he got like pushed into the end zone? Yeah, pushed, well, pushed to about the one, one or two yard the line. One or so. yeah, yeah, that one, that one. I was like, what? I was listening to Ray Lewis before. Again, you cannot compare anybody to Ray Lewis, um, but I was, he was on the pregame Raven show, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how like when you hit, you got to make them feel it so that it makes them hesitate the next time, and and. Even yeah, like you, like you, like with all the the plays you just talked about. Even when he did tackle, it's just after so many yards, like nobody's afraid of getting hit by him. And I think that he's better than that. Like the the pass coverage, I there's a lot to work on, but I think he can be a better tackler than that. Like it just was yeah. so. Yeah, it was, it was. There was one. There was one. Can it was on. I can't remember which touchdown it was. There can't have been that many rushing touchdowns from the two yard run. It was a two-yard run where he timed it perfectly. Like, he went right through the offensive line, timed it perfectly, as he's done so many times before. Had, I think it was, um, uh, I'm forgetting. Edward Zolaire. Edward Zolaire. Had him from behind, and then, again, just he, like, slipped right through him. Yeah, it was like, I, I, I wanted to. I wanted to include some discussion of that play, but, it, you know, what I liked about it was that he got into the backfield quickly. What I right. didn't like it is it is once he got there, he seemed to want to be under control instead of continuing to move fast. Now, it probably, in that case, Edward Solaire was going to beat him to the outside, and the fact that that outside wasn't contained is what really made it not a play. If that outside gets contained by one other player or by the edge player turning his guy inside, Queen probably makes a tackle there, and, and you know they, they get another chance to stop him. But, uh, yeah, I... I I don't blame that one entirely on Queen, but there's so much else that was frustrating about his game. Boy, uh, you know, I'm with you. I, I just I, I, I throw my arms up at this. And, and the Ravens right now, they, they have to consider every extreme defensive package they can. They've lost some safeties, which would help them play dime and get inside linebackers off the field. They had to play Queen every snap in this game. Right. I, mean, I don't think they really wanted to. I don't think they wanted to have Malik Harrison and Chris Board on the field as often as they did in this game. But they, right. but they did because Stevens was, I think, taken off the field for ineffectiveness, as far as I can tell. Stone went in at safety, um, replacing him for the last three drives, which, by the way, when you look at that, that's a pretty good indicator that Stone was doing his job. But Didn't, did, didn't Stevens come back in? 
Stevens came back in for one play on second and 15 to play dime. But when they were in the nickel, which was, I'm looking at the scorecard right now, he, he was out and Stone was on the back end. Okay, okay. So, you know, I think he lost his job. Maureen caught it right at the time because Maureen is, is watching the secondary. She goes, did Stevens just lose his job here? She, she goes, Stone's on the field. And so <laughs> she was right. He did. Well, temporarily. I mean, obviously they believe in him. And I mean, that's a tough position for him to be in with, you know, playing DB for only so long. The fact that they even tried him in that moment, I thought said a lot about their confidence in him that he'd be the backup to, to uh, Elliot. But yeah, he he wasn't ready yet. He wasn't ready yet. I mean, it was like almost two plays after Elliot went down. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but I remember like a play. It was on him. Was yeah, on I think the, it's the Pringle. The Pringle catch I thought was probably as much him as anybody because there's a there's a big empty area on the field, and and it. yeah, it was he was he was not where he needed to be anyway. It looked like yeah. on that play. So let me ask you this real quick. Going to Malik Harrison on Travis Kelsey. So eventually, Wink didn't didn't go like took Harrison off of of Kelsey, mm-hmm. and he moved to having OA. Kind of um, redirecting hit him at the line of yeah. yeah redirect hit him off the line of scrimmage, try to throw him off, and then Oa would let him then go out into the zone coverage, and then Oa would try to rush <laughs> rush Mahomes. What was the thinking? Harrison is your running thumper, right? Yep. He, he's never been your coverage guy. Why did they start out that way? What what was your if you could okay. try to figure out what was in Wink's mind? So I think I think it was more a case of desperation and available personnel than anything else in the game. I think that that if okay. they had all their safeties healthy, so if Stevens was really ready to go, and Stevens could have been the guy, they could have just lined him up him up opposite Kelsey on a lot of these plays. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think he'd be a big, big nickel defender and line up at effectively slot corner on Kelsey play after play that the chiefs are in 12 personnel. So when they put on that second tight end, it's not an unreasonable formation that you go one corner short, you play a third safety on the field and he's it stones on the back end. I think that would have worked. The other thing I, I, I kind of wonder why they didn't try is why they didn't put Adafi away they couldn't afford to use him, lose him as a pass rusher, but he's got the speed to stay with Kelsey. He probably doesn't have the moves, but he has the length. He could be a, a significant deterrent mm-hmm. in terms of man coverage. And I think as Oway grows, that's one of the things I really expect from him is he uses that speed as a coverage asset uh, to, to an even greater degree because he certainly has the length to initiate first contact at the snap and redirect that, that tight end. So, so it makes the timing more difficult for Mahomes. The only downside to that is I wouldn't want to lose him. To me, he's like course. through two yeah. games the best pass rusher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Houston's been pretty good, but I agree. Away yeah. through two games is it if looks we like he's best pass away, That would be really great. Just have a couple of OAs out there. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that. is you could put Tyus Bowser on him, and Tyus Bowser's the best yeah. outside linebacker cover guy in the entire NFL. I think that would be a, been a reasonable choice. But go back to the inside linebacker question because you're asking a question. Why did they play so many inside linebackers in the game? And 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 what I think is at the heart of it is they just didn't have a third guy they could put in in a lot of these situations. They also had difficulty getting the Chiefs into third down at all. Chiefs only had six third downs the entire game. They went one for six. That's good. But they only got the Chiefs to third down six times. That's terrible. Right, 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 right. And the other thing is they didn't get him in a whole lot of second and long plays either. So, yeah, they did have some weak runs on first down where they could have brought in, you know, a, a third safety at that point. But you, you don't have a lot of chances to get into these specialized packages 
Uh, and, you know, I, I, all, in, all defensive coordinators are a little bit concerned about it, but they kept Ward on the field who really didn't do anything in this game. Not good in coverage, not good as, yeah. a, as a run defender, didn't, didn't really stand out in any way. Um, you know, they kept Harrison on the field, and, of course, they kept Queen on the field. And, and that was the weakness of this team defensively in this game more than anything else. The, the, I thought the cornerbacks, the outside corners, uh, stood up exceptionally well. Humphrey allowed a touchdown. But I thought that, that otherwise Avery But he was right well. there. I mean, he, it's not like he got burned on that. Like, he was right there, had his hand in there, made the wide receiver bobble it. It was just an excellent play by Mahomes, and mm-hmm. I thought an excellent catch by the receiver. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, he so otherwise – So you're saying, to sum it up, we all know that the passing weaknesses, the inside linebackers, in the past, the Ravens have used their safety depth mm-hmm. to mask that, but they couldn't do it because the safety depth is now – then. That's it. Very well said. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I want to talk packages just a little bit, and we'll only take a minute or two on this. They played the base package, their regular 3-4 defense, five times. Um, they played it on, on first down uh, only, and they gave up 46 yards, 9.2 yards per play. And all of these are going to sound pretty bad, so that's why I want to go through these quickly. The standard nickel. Most played defense in the NFL. It's the basic response to 11 personnel. And uh, they use it as a response both to 11 and, per, and 12. Um, 31 plays, 320 yards, 10.3 yards per play against your standard nickel. You're not going to win many games when you do that. They did have a turnover with, with, with the nickel in there. But they did. that's 36 of the 49 plays. Then they used the rush nickel late in the game. Now, the rush nickel, you put an extra outside linebacker, take out a defensive lineman. So it's three outside linebackers, one down lineman, otherwise a standard nickel. Five plays for eight yards. A lot of Pernell McPhee there. And uh, the plays McPhee actually played, even though he didn't play too much in this game, about 33% of the snaps were very good. Um, he, uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think in terms of pass plays, he, I, I don't have it right in front of me. I don't want to say. Okay. They play this three inside linebacker nickel. That's the one that drives me up the wall. So your biggest weakness in the entire field is your inside linebacker, and yet you play all three of your inside linebackers that you can possibly get on the field, and you don't put an extra safety. That really bothered me. Anyway, two plays for eight, two plays for eight yards. It wasn't even that terrible, but they had a, that was where the penalty for Humphrey occurred. So even though they brought him in for consecutive plays like that, it still converted a first down. Gotcha. All right. Now the big one I want to talk about, the 32 dime. Now, last week we just talked about it very, very briefly, and the Ravens played 32 dime this week six times. They played it a few times last week. I think it might have been seven times. But the 32 dime is something they have not played as an organization since 2001. It's a very infrequently used thing. The, The only team that's been really known to be using it in recent years, okay, known widely to use it, is Dallas Cowboys played the 32 dime. But the the uh, uh, and they're not certainly known for defensive success. But the Ravens played the thirty-two dime uh, with three down linemen. So they either used three outside linebackers all at the line of scrimmage, where they did with McPhee in the middle, or they had one defensive lineman, usually Campbell, flanked yeah. by Oway and Bowser, typically, um, who were rushing the passer, uh, and they they then had two off-ball inside linebackers. Again, I don't know what the the reason is for doing that, but I don't like it under any circumstances because it's supposed to be a pass defense and that you're, you're, you're negating a portion of it by having extra inside linebackers on the field, which is the Ravens' biggest pass weakness. So, uh, right. you know, again, trouble really understanding why that's important. But they didn't do badly in 32 dimes. Only six plays, 23 yards. 
4.8. It was, uh, well, their second best package. It looks like <laughs> yeah, the rest well, nickel. Was yeah. You, you can't really, you can't really go too much by that because it's, because obviously it's a low sample so, size. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We, we did not expect to see a lot of race car this week with four outside linebackers in the field, and you wouldn't because they don't want to blitz Mahomes. They don't want to really send right. five very often against Mahomes. So you're not going to put four outside linebackers on the field, except that those are some of your best coverage linebackers too. So you, in, in particular, Oway, we think, but Bowser, we know, are very good coverage linebackers potentially and could help you in these situations. So I think it might've made sense to at least get Bowser more on the field. Maybe Bowser standing up in the middle would have, would have been the real remedy to get one right. of those three guys off the field. I mean, was, was, um, who is the outside linebacker that was inactive this week? Hayes. And he's a, he's a Sam also. So he'd be a good one. Yeah. So, and is he, is he, he practiced the last week, right? Yeah. I think, I think he will come back. Um, you know, they, Ferguson was active. He played one snap. So I don't see why, you know, you wouldn't have Hayes instead of him. So probably pretty soon we'll see Hayes back. Well, and I'm just saying if like, if you want to move Bowser, you know, back in that stand up in the middle and with the inside inside linebacker, you have plenty of other options. I would think to play on the outside. Right. I, I I think so too. I mean, I, I just, I'll say this in 2019, when they acquired Josh Bynes, who is such a middling inside linebacker in terms of league-wide ability that it's not even funny. Josh Bynes stands out in bold relief. He's like, a, you know, a heading relative to normal text uh, relative to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the other inside linebackers they have in terms of understanding anything about the passing lanes, where the quarterback's going with the ball, anything that's going on behind him. I mean, he had two interceptions in 2019 because he really understood where the ball was going to go both yeah. times. And I just... I'm I'm so frustrated having these inside linebackers who really don't know what's going on and, and can't help you between level two and three in particular. Yep. I'm with you, Ken. I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Want to talk pass rush? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So this was the, without question, the plainest pass rush of Martin Dale's tenure as the defensive coordinator here so far. Uh, Mahomes didn't have ample time and space all the time. He had eight out of 31, 26% ample time space, which is good, but uh, you know, it, it's probably about average. Um, he uh, did a good job delivering that ball before pressure developed. As we mentioned, there were 12 plays of that uh, and he really nailed the Ravens on those. But if you, if you look at the number of passers per play, the Ravens only rushed five plus on six of 31 dropbacks, 19%. That is not a Ravens like number. They're usually 30s and 40s we're talking about in terms of a percentage. Yeah. So I don't know why there's discrepancies between, like, if you go to PFF or you mm-hmm. hear your pass rush or you go to next gen stats, it always seems like there's a little bit different. So I'm sure everybody's turning it. It's definitional. Differently. Yeah. 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 Definitional. So, um, I mean, again, not that anything really worked, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at, at all that night, but it is, I mean, Wink 100% changed who he is for this game. And, um, uh, you know, I looked back and I wanted to see that the, and again, it's all definitional, so it may change a little bit, but based off of where I was looking with next gen set. So the Ravens had an average 20 blitzes per game in their three previous meetings against the chiefs. Mm-hmm. So 20 per game. Um, 
It didn't go well. It's, it's, I have, let's see, when they sent five or more of the past two meetings, Mahomes is 23 for 31 for 287 yards and four touchdowns. Okay, so that's so nine I, yards of play. Nine yards of play. So I know you have down that they rushed uh, five or more six times. Mm-hmm. Next gen stats had four, if I have it correctly here. Okay, so they so had. Go ahead. It's, it's definitional. So what, yeah, what, yeah. What, what often happens is you have to decide how you handle somebody who engages at the line of scrimmage but does not really make an effort to rush. And next gen, since it's based on the XY coordinates of the players, probably has rules that relates to the XY coordinates of the players so they don't have to make individual hand judgments. So if they right. say he didn't go beyond the line of scrimmage or he didn't go more than a half yard beyond the line of scrimmage, that may not be a pass rusher to him. But next gen is doing it by, by a – uh, X Y coordinate basis, and th- and that's okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that that uh, I don't count guys who rush after the pocket is broken. That's that's a generalized rule. Is oh, that gotcha. is that you don't count that? And so Elliot got a quarterback hit rushing the quarterback after he, after the pocket was broken. Got so you. that's it. That's got just you. an example. So there's a little definition. Uh, it's, it's a little definition, but the takeaway is the same, right? Like it's it's yes. completely changed who he is. Um, again, taking the next gen stats, he, he rushed on 12.9% of pass plays, which is a new low for Don for, for Wink Martindale. Yeah. It was 15, 15.4. So it was definitely a new low. I, have you gone through your numbers yet of, of the yards per play for each, for each one that they, yeah. So, so uh, my point is, is while nothing worked, I yeah. do think that they were better by not blitzing so much. Right. Less was your more. numbers show that. Yeah, yeah, less was more. So I, I didn't. I don't think I said it, but when they rushed three, they six plays for twenty nine. Again, not a big sample size. When they rushed four, nineteen plays for two thirty, twelve point one yards per play. With five, five for seventy three, four point fourteen point six, and with six, one play for eleven. So when they rushed four or more, they certainly got burned very badly uh, on all of those. And when yeah. they rushed, when they rushed three, they it's not like they generated tremendous pressure with that, but they did get a late QH rushing three. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they. they and they got a couple pressures rushing three. It just it changes the dynamic a little bit. And of course, you know your secondary has a little bit better chance to cover with eight instead of seven. And did you watch? Did you watch the broadcast? Like, were you listening to Collinsworth when he was talking about a um, he called uh, the, the layered rush? If are they talking about somebody who rushes late after like away deflected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelsey? So basically, and that's what I'm wondering was. Um, I think was one of your your rush packages. Which one was it? Um, there was one one package where um, that you have on there. I think it was where uh, you have the one down lineman and then the flanked by by all right. the okay. So that's the thirty two dime, thirty two dime. Not not that one. It wasn't that one. The one where they they got the um, the third quarter interception. Um, okay, let me look at that on my on just my regular score sheet. So I'm looking at it here. They had one down lineman, and they had three. It's the rush nickel. Yeah, you, Houston, OA, and Bowser were all on the field for that play. Right, so it's the rush nickel. So if you're listening to Collinsworth, both on um, on that interception and another one in Q2 where the KC was 3-10 and 10 at the 9-11 mark, both of those plays, Collinsworth was was talking about the layered um, the layered rush, and so this is finally where like Wink is getting out of using uh, Harrison on Kelsey, and then so he'd have Oa um, trying to knock Kelsey off off his path, and then he'd go and rush, and so that interception 
was one of those layered rushes um, where where Owe first hit Kelsey and then let him go. And then and then he was saying it because he was like, the Ravens feel like Mahomes is best on when he steps up on his, uh, you know, on his second, almost like his second step, you know? So it was like, let him step up in the pocket because that's what he likes to do. And so instead of having everybody already behind him because he's stepping up, we've left one person, which is Owe, after he's jammed, you know, Kelsey. And then that's how he got that quarterback hit which led to the interception. Right, right. That that was a beautiful play and and uh, I agree. There's there, normal rules of timing do not seem to apply to Mahomes or Mahomes and Kelsey or Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill. He's great off schedule. He's a lot like Roethlisberger, unfortunately, was earlier in his career in, in that respect is he can wait and wait and wait and wait. Lamar Jackson is that way. We don't we don't right. appreciate it enough in this town. You know, of totally. of, of the the route timing does not need to be perfect because that's not what he's working off. He's working off. Can I see a direct line? Can I see the window and can I throw it? And uh, Mahomes generally very good at that, but, but that play, he made a, he made one of the real big mistakes to let OA twist him down and not just accept the sack when they had the game one already at that point. Right. Right. Um, he should, he could have lived, to, to, you know, just throw it away or take the sack and live for another day. There you go. There you go. So uh, I, the other thing I want to get in with, with Martindale a little bit in this package was deception because this is a, it's not just numbers. That's not what pass rush is about. So in terms of deception, they had eight off-ball blitzes. That means somebody's coming from off the line of scrimmage and no closer than the slot receiver. Okay, so if the, if the slot, if the nickel rushes directly, he's a blitzer. Anybody else has to be more than two, two yards, sorry, more than a yard and a half off the line of scrimmage for me to consider them a, a blitzer for these purposes. They had eight such blitzes, um, eight individual times they did it. They never rushed two on one play, and Wink often will bring two or sometimes even three guys doing that. Well, not against Mahomes. He wasn't going to do that, so he was very careful, and he usually dropped a player from the line of scrimmage, or they would just have three guys on the line of scrimmage, and he blitzed a fourth. So it's mm-hmm. one of those. So anyway, that's a really low deception game for him to run only eight blitzes total. It's even more less. It's even less deceptive that he never used two at once. But here's the point I want to make: stunts. Okay, you can stunt as much as you want. And Kelly Campbell has said this in some videos where where he says basically, I can call a stunt anytime I want as long as there's not a blitz coming. Well, there weren't any blitzes coming. They only ran eight, you know eight blitzes, so he had 23 opportunities that they could have agreed on a, on a stunt at the line of scrimmage. Zero stunts in this game by the Ravens. Zero. So what happened was Martindale is mandating very controlled rush lanes and saying, you can't stunt, guys. We need to have total, total control over rush lanes in this game. And I think that's, that's very clearly you know, something he must have said or they would have had some show up. Right, right. And, and, and is it... Why do you think he was that way? I mean, obviously, I know why he stopped blitzing, but why not any more deception? I, th- I think they wanted to keep Mahomes in a in a theoretical cage and see if they could bother him that way. So mm. keep him in the pocket, not scrambling. I mean, obviously, that's very very de- debilitating to the defense to see him running off after you know he beats his a passer all these times in a row, and then all of a sudden, three times a game, he, he also takes off for fifteen yards. Yeah, um, you know, but that 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 was bad. But then there's one other element of deception, and that is simulated pressure. Okay, so that's when times when the Ravens drop at least two men from the line of scrimmage um, that, that are there. And the typical way you think of it is they show an A-gap blitz or a double A-gap blitz from inside linebackers. 
mm-hmm. or a safety maybe up at the line of scrimmage in some way, and then they drop off immediately to mm-hmm. confuse the line on, on who's coming. Zero of those in this game. Zero. <laughs> so they had not even one, not even one deceptive pass rush this entire game, which is the first time that's ever happened in the Wink era. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So the numbers, they told a story, but the real story behind the story, these deception elements, much right. bigger story in my mind. Right, right. So it's not just that there wasn't as much blitzing, but that the stunts were gone, the simulated pressures were gone, all of it, all of yep. it gone. Yeah. He was trying something different, that's for sure. Yeah. He was trying something different. Yeah. Neither way worked. Yeah, I mean, I, they they finally got it done at the end of the game, and and I gotta I gotta give Wink credit for adjusting. I mean, some of the things you mentioned, like redirecting Kelsey with Owe, I thought that worked basically. Yeah. And and they they did some things that were positive. They got off the field three straight times. So, I, I, Wink deserves as much credit as the offense does for getting their act together at the end of this game. I think a, a, as well. It was a it was an exceptional. Uh, game all the way around. I thought this would be kind of a tough discussion because it's it's pretty negative. A lot of the things we have to say, but honestly, I'm 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 very positive on what the Ravens were able to salvage from this game defensively. I and with fans, uh, you know, a buzzword is always adjustments. Can coaches make adjustments? And the Ravens did. <laughs> you know, the Ravens did, and and especially Wink. I just felt like Wink. I mean, as we as we've already talked about, you know, his his limitations with personnel, and he figured out what to put them in in that last quarter to get the job done. And then, of course, he had Oa help out. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's 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 talk a little bit about individual players. So, Sarah, you you start first to just talk about a player, and then I'll pick one. Yeah, I don't know how you start with anybody, you know, but Odafe Oa. I mean. Two games in, he is looking like a special, a special player. You, he is, he is strong enough to hold his ground against 320 pound tackles and fast enough to cover Travis Kelsey in a pinch. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, you even suggested it, like maybe just put him on Kelsey, the tight end. And then the next thing, you know, have him pushing around Orlando Brown. I mean, it's just incredible the things that the, the variety of things that he can do. Uh, and especially after playing just starting five years ago, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just got to say the player he reminds me of more than any other after two games, this is so unfair is a Thomas. I mean, oh. he, he's, he runs, he does, he does what a does runs like a deer. I mean, can, 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 cover i mean Adelis thomas when they needed it in 2005 and the ravens were just decimated with secondary injuries they, they played three defensive backs for 265 plays this year they played as a regular defense and they wow. were able to do it because Adelis thomas effectively was like a safety they could put on a on a slot tight end for example so yeah. it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they, they used him not really as a cornerback, but they used him as, as a strong safety a lot that year. And, and I feel like away in terms of his physical abilities, he could be that guy. I, I, again, he's only been playing football for five years, two games in the NFL. He's way ahead of schedule, the <clears> schedule <throat> I had for him anyway, way ahead of schedule. So the more that he learns, the more Wink will feel comfortable moving around in ways that you're, you're saying that, he, you know, they did with Adelius back in the day. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, so it's not, anyway, I wanted to start out with that because I obviously want to talk about his big play at the end, but it's not just the two big plays. Mm-hmm. It's that it's the consistency of time and time and time again, 
being there and run support, you know, any little push he can, you know, give on Kelsey. I mean, every, I mean, everything they asked of him, he did it yeah. and, and he did it well. But, but then that brings us, cause I already talked about how he affected uh, the interception um, with the layered rush as Colin mm-hmm. Ward put it. But, but to, to dig in, I'm like you, I watched on repeat <laughs> that play where he got the, the, the fumble and the recovery. First of all, he's doing that with, I feel like on Twitter it was a little overplayed. He didn't really like go past Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown looked like he was going to block somebody else. Oway kind of shoved him a little bit, but it wasn't <laughs> like Orlando Brown was trying to like, it wasn't like his main assignment. I don't feel like it was more Joe Tooney, who is your Pro Bowl guard. Yes. And he's getting past the experienced Pro Bowl guard. And like you, I watched that play over and over again. I don't know if that was a strong punch or if the, the running back just wasn't holding it tight, but I still can't believe that he knocked that ball out. And then, and then to have, because he's already on the ground. You have Travis Kelsey. Kelsey just didn't even see the ball, but he's right above the loose ball. And he, I don't even know if he knows that it's loose. But all of a sudden, everybody's seeing it. And for him, he's already halfway on the ground. And then for him to, like, kind of leap up again, use that athleticism with the one hand that he used to knock it out, grab that ball, and everybody jumps on him. It's just incredible. And the, and the irony is not lost on me, Ken. How many times did we go back? I think I discussed with you the, the trade back when it happened with Orlando Brown. Everybody was like, why would you go help the rate or the chiefs? Why would you help the chiefs? Never once did we think to ask, did the chiefs just help the Ravens? Well, <laughs> and we do. It's the chiefs that helped the Ravens by giving the Ravens that number 31 pick. And maybe they would have drafted no way with the, with Rashad Bateman's pick. Who knows if they didn't have the extra one, but my goodness, that was the chiefs helped the Ravens and not the other way around, at least in week two. That's, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, he did a wonderful job on that play. I'm, I, I watched it probably 20 times because I still can't believe he was able to reach all the way to Edwards Hilaire <laughs> to get his arm in there to affect the football. I did finally see one angle where it looks like the ball came out earlier than I thought, or at least I, I've seen the same angle probably 10 of those 20 times because they, you know, it's two angles from, you know, 10 times, but it's, but I noticed that the ball was really out fairly early in this process. It's still a hell of a reach and you see how long his arm is in terms Mm -hmm. of getting in there. So I think it was both to answer your earlier question was both kind of a surprising punch to Edwards Hilaire and it's going in the opposite direction of where a lot of the pressure on the football comes. So when you're holding it high and tight, you still don't expect somebody to come in from under your arm to knock it loose. You're, you're, you're maybe expecting it more from the front side, somebody to pry it loose. Right. Good point. Uh, a great, great game in so many ways for OA. I, I don't I, I don't think we need to, to belabor anymore, but please go read the article because there's I got nine plays separated out there that I thought it were, were exceptional notes. Uh, seven of them are positive or a couple run plays where he kind of got lost in the wash. But generally speaking, a good game against the run and the pass for OA. And I was I was really impressed. I want to talk a little bit about Justin Houston, though. Um, okay. he, he has so far so completely delivered on what the Ravens are paying him, which is basically nothing, the veteran minimum. <laughs> but, but they're going to end up paying him a little bit more because he's going to hit some of these incentives, I think. Right. Um, his play on the bad snap should not be um, belittled in any way. 
it's a it's a him getting to Mahomes is effectively an 18 yard sack. If if he's any less quick about making that play, about taking Mahomes down, surely um, that probably ends up being just an incomplete pass. So it would it would have been thrown out of bounds, probably right at the 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 original line of scrimmage. Um, you know, they, that's one thing is the guys on the air do not seem to completely understand the intentional grounding penalty because it wasn't just a matter of, okay, everybody knows the, in the area rule. So we're not, it wasn't that because there was nobody even close in the area, but it's, it's also not a case of getting outside the tackle box because the ball has to get back to the line of scrimmage. And effectively that quarterback hit prevented that from occurring. So I was very positive on that. He got other pressure in the game. He had an amazing play where he blew up Tooney when Tooney was pulling right. Well, you know, Tooney outweighs him by 50 pounds at least. Mm-hmm. And, and he blew up Tooney and basically uh, forced that play to an RM1. Campbell cleaned it up, but it was just a run middle for one instead of, a, you know, a decent play to the outside. So um, very, very happy with Justin Houston's play. So far. Justin Houston, I don't have much to add to that, but he just makes me feel comfortable. Yep. Justin Houston is somebody that I'm just like, he's going to do his job. And, uh, and sometimes it's a little bit more quiet. Like it's not the Odafe Owe plays that we've seen. Uh, so it might be, uh, like you said, like the, the, even I, like it kind of, I don't know that I belittled, you know, the, the, the play where, where we had the intentional granting there, but I definitely like, it was like, oh, well, that's not totally him. It was just a bad snap, you know? Um, but he just makes you feel comfortable. Justin Houston's there. Nothing bad is going to happen. Really, really excited about what he's done for the young pass rushers. And got to ask, got to wonder, is he having some positive impact on Owe's development? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. I mean, I I mean, that doesn't mean that Owe couldn't develop without him, but always even spoken to it. I mean, he's having it. I think he's having an impact on several of the young, the young guys, not, not just Owe, but Hayes and Ferguson and you know, all those guys. It's, it's, um, it's, I'm so happy that he and his agent didn't give up and kept pestering Eric DaCosta. Cause Eric, I don't know if you saw that story from Peter King. No, I didn't go ahead. Oh, it's, it's incredible. So basically it was Justin Houston who had kind of reached out and, uh, but the Ravens didn't make an offer because they didn't have any money. And, um, and then so like, like uh, Marcus Peters kind of gets involved and then Houston was like, you know, you know, there's no offer or whatever. And he was getting offers elsewhere. And so his agent called back to Eric DaCosta and says, will you please just make us an offer? And Eric goes, look, this is a potential future Hall of Famer. I don't want to disrespect him by not giving him the offer that he deserves, but I don't have the money. And he says... Um, this is, he, he was just coming up with two year, $18 million deal. Mm-hmm. And, and the, and the agent says, make us an offer anyway. So then that's when, and Eric DeCosta, I think it was, he offered 2 million with, with mm-hmm. escalators and incentives and stuff like that. And he was offered more elsewhere, but he came to Baltimore. He wanted to be in Baltimore. So and basically the, the agent had been told by Houston, I want to play in Baltimore. I want to play for a championship. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And he had obviously heard phenomenal things uh, about Baltimore. So that's a great and he was story. Caught on, he was caught on the wired, the wired mic with, um, Oh, why am I going to forget his name? The, uh, he, he was drafted by the Ravens. He's a coach for the Ravens now 
on defense of uh, the Anthony outside Weaver. linebackers. Anthony Weaver. They were caught on the wire, wire just talking about, you know, Weaver was like, man, I was drafted here and I knew it was good, but I didn't know how good it was until I went to other places. And then Houston's like, well, I know because I've been to all those places. And this is probably going to be my last stop. And I know that it's great. Like, like, it just was, it was like, it's just, Houston has been just a pleasure, a pleasure to have as a Raven so far. Okay. Um, let's tr- a couple I'll, more, a couple more players. Person. Yeah. So, and I'll go quicker on this, but Justin Matabike, I thought had, uh, a really good game. Um, and I even feel like some of the plays he made, <clears throat> I think one of them, there was a, a, a penalty. So mm-hmm. he was a wall, a wall on one of those rushing, rushing uh, attempts. And, you know, unfortunately there was, there was the uh, penalty, but the one where he had the uh, met the running back in the backfield and had a minus five uh, mm-hmm. loss. I mean, he just knifed through there before, um, Creed Humphrey could Creed even Humphrey, barely get yep. a hand on him. It was yeah. just like, I mean, barely, just like barely touched them as he went by and met him in the backfield. Um, I would like to see, and this was, you know, obviously great. I mean, Ravens are missing Wolf. They're missing uh, Williams now. And so to have Matabike there is is really good to have there in the middle. Um, I would like to see more in, in way of the pass rush yep. from everybody, from everybody on the interior defensive line. But Matabike is going to be around a while. He's going to be around yeah, a while. In a we have uniform. seen a lot of the real positive characteristics from Matabike in terms of the pass rush last year, and, and specifically in terms of winning a lot of one-on-one battles, which that's mm-hmm. what the Ravens have been missing on the inside. So that quickness has really helped him. And I think he's taken a lot of that to the run game this year. And, and I'm with you. I haven't seen enough in terms of a pass rush, and I want to see more. But the indicators are all there. I'm seeing that mm-hmm. quickness, that heavy-handedness, that, you know, I mean, he's a 483, 40 guy, and he and it really looks like he plays to that speed, which is very, very quick for an, for an interior defensive lineman. Uh, yeah. Just it's uh, it's it's much too quick to handle anyway. And he he has that Aaron Donald desk, and that's that's not a fair you know comparison at this point. But they're both undersized interior defensive linemen who do very well with quickness, and uh, and he has a lot of that characteristic about him. I want to move on and talk about Tavon Young for a moment because he's been a player where we've had questions about is, is he really lost a step? Is he there? Is he that? I mean, right now he's looking like one of the Ravens' really consistent players at corner. And, you know, he's now had in two games three near interceptions already. Finally converted the third, which is an mm-hmm. enormous play. But he, in, in Las Vegas, he picked a ball that was right off the ground. In this game, he picked up a ball that was right off the ground. He might have he almost had that by the left sideline. No, by the right sideline as his offense is going. Um, it, all of these cases, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there was a chance for something very positive to occur. He still looks like the defensive playmaker from 2018. I hope he can hold up, and I hope we're not getting a mirage of ability right now, but I'm really happy with what's going on. And what's going wrong in the middle of the field is not Tavon Young. I can tell you that right now. It, uh, he's doing his job, and, and really it's, uh, there are other players who are, who are really not living it up to on the interior, but I'm happy with him. Yeah, the Ravens need that good news. The Ravens need that good news. And so I'll just go along with that. Having that on the inside, you know, against, you know, in the slot. On the outside, Anthony Averett. Mm-hmm. Um, just a uh, a really good game from him. I think, obviously, he has that they had that signature play uh, that forced the punt from the Chiefs in the, in the fourth quarter 
absolutely needed, absolutely needed to play there. And he blanketed freaking Tyreek Hill. Hill. <laughs> like, he was so good on it that I'm just like, Anthony Averett ran that route for Hill. I mean, just step for step right there. Um, just an outstanding game. I was actually going to ask you, because I didn't catch it, at the, um, at the pressure today, uh, Harbaugh was asked about Anthony Averett, and he talked about how good of a game. He goes, but, he goes, there were some missed assignments. He goes, actually, just one missed assignment, and he knows which one I'm talking about. Um, do you have a clue what that might be? <laughs> no, I, I, I got to look at which one that is. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really wondering. I hope it's not Pringle, uh, but that's, that's the one that immediately comes to mind because right. he was moving to that side of the field. So if that was some sort of a zone, Anthony could have been out of position on that because someone was. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, okay. Wow. Um, talk about another player. I would like to talk about, let's see, Brandon Stevens. Okay. Now there's a guy who, um, I think in general, I, I, I still expect good things from Brandon Stevens, but, uh, the Ravens are, are really asking him to do a lot under fire. And I'm not sure exactly what's happened. I, I don't know if there was some minor injury that got him out of the game for Geno Stone, but it looked like it might have been the play, the, the touchdown to Pringle that was the thing that got him yanked. Actually, it wasn't. It was a touchdown to Kelsey was his last play anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't tell you exactly what the issue was in terms of him not being in the right place or, or getting pulled after several bad plays. He did have good coverage down the left side on a one play. And I think when you ask him to just use his speed in coverage, I think he's very good. I think, unfortunately, because the Ravens are asking him to learn so many positions at the same time, yeah. safety, you know, slot corner, potentially outside corner as well. They've had him at for a couple snaps at least this year. Um, it's just, it's a lot to ask of a young player, even though he's done it all at SMU already. He's drinking from a fire hose for sure. And I don't know that they would, again, if they weren't in such a desperate position, maybe he would, they wouldn't have to, maybe they'd be teaching him at practice, but not giving him all that game experience right now right. for sure at all these different positions. So um, he's drinking from a fire hose and because the Ravens are thin, you know, I'm hoping he can he can gulp it all up and get it down. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Do um, you have anyone else you want to talk about? Uh, or? No, that's it for me. Okay, so we can move on to the mailbag if you want. Uh, Josh, what do we have tonight? I know we had some questions today. All right. Yeah, we've got a few mailbags, but the mailbag today is brought to you by TickPick, who's on board now with Film Study. Now that football season's back, TickPick is as well. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet for Baltimore Raven tickets because you can head on over to TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, for a no-fee ticket site. Uh, TickPick got rid of all the awful service fees and other sites that ticket sites charge. So you can just go there and get the best price on NFL tickets. I know I was looking this week about the Miami Dolphins game in week 10 because that's only four hours away. And they had some great prices over on TickPick. So go on over to TickPick forward slash Ravens and use the promo code Ravens to send spend or to save 10 bucks and let them know that you came from film study. Looking forward to that game, Josh. We'll be down in Miami for it. Hope we get to see you. I hope so. Uh, it's a Thursday night, which makes things tricky. So, okay. um, all right, let's first, let's go with Shay, who was wondering about the missed tackle and issue on the defense. 
and how the missed tackles seem to give up big plays. Is it a lack of reps during the preseason, or is it a problem with the defensive scheme? I'm going to say one thing about this game is that the Chiefs as a team are going to pay, make you pay more for missed tackles because most of them are happening in the secondary. And there's missed tackles and there's missed tackles. Missed tackles in the backfield on a running back where they turn the running back or retract the running back are usually not very costly. In fact, they can even help. You'd rather have a missed tackle to kind of set up the actual tackle. When you get missed tackles in the secondary, those are very costly potentially. And it could be the last line of defense. It could be... Uh, whatever. So, so on the Kelsey play in particular, we saw three consecutive missed tackles come up as he crossed the field for those 46 yards. That's extremely frustrating. And those are very high cost missed tackles, obviously. Uh, but to the question of whether it's scheme or not, I mean, to me, that's on the players. Wink, Wink Martindale yeah. can't get them, you know, to like, you can run like technique things at practice and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you just got to tackle, you know, put in your technique and make the tackle. Make the tackle. That's what I want. <laughs> and uh, I feel like, I can't remember what year this, this was, but I feel like there was a problem with tickling, uh, tackling in the past. And the Ravens just had to buckle down and get better, and they did. I expect them to get better. And honestly, that alone would have cut out over 100 yards. <laughs> you know, maybe the Chiefs could have, you know, ding them for some some different way but that was atrocious and i expect them to get better yeah i i, I agree and in fact we're, we're probably at a point where inside linebackers are going to start being taken off the field if they if they keep at the same missed tackle rate all right well speaking Josh of 100 is waiting on that practice squad <laughs> yeah speaking of 100 yards next question up is after waller and kelsey each got over 100 yards what can the Ravens adjust to stop the big, these big plays? Is it just missed tackles or is there more going on? You can go first on this one, sir. I, I mean, I think we've touched on it. I really liked Wink's adjustment. I liked knocking him, knocking the, the tight end off the line of scrimmage. I didn't watch the film. I don't know if they tried that against Waller. Um, but but I, it, it was an adjustment in this game. I like that. I mean, let's be physical. Let's be physical so you can't just, you know, let them run clean off of it. And the other thing, I mean, it's, it's, it's the inside linebackers. It's, it's partly personnel. We've talked about that. Um, you know, they're low on options because they're thin at safety. Um, but if Jimmy Smith comes back, I mean, that'll be a huge boon. Uh, if some of these guys come back, that is what I think would be the most helpful. Yeah, they, they need to they need to have three health, have healthy safeties to run their normal set of defensive alignments. So so they, they need that. If if you go back to the Las Vegas game, they really did a reasonable job stopping Waller. Waller had 105 yards receiving, but he, they threw to him 19 times in that game. So you know, five and a half yards of, of reception that's not too bad to me. Uh, I, I think the bigger problem was Kelsey, and I think you know the Ravens are kind of at maybe a tie, if you want to call it, or maybe a small win against against uh, Waller and a pretty big loss against Kelsey. So they go into week three and four with a couple tough tight ends showing up the next couple of weeks with Hocken, Hockenstein and Fant. Hockenstein, mm-hmm. that's right, isn't it? Hockenstein? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hockenson. Hockenson. I knew I was saying it wrong. It's <laughs> just one of these things. Okay. So uh, two, two tough tight ends the next two weeks. So they'll have, to, they'll have to do better, but none of them are on the level of Travis Kelsey. So... You know, or, it'll be, or Waller, probably. Yeah, or Waller. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and Minion Hunter, I think part of the story also is also what Minion Hunter is pointing out is about how the Ravens doubled up on Hill and shut him down for the whole game. Yeah. Which that then is going to open up more with Kelsey as well. Yeah, that, that was really fantastic. So Hill targeted 
four times for 14 yards. That's three and a half yards of target. That's literally Brashad Perriman uh, with the Ravens. Brashad Perriman, since he left the Ravens, has become good again. But Brashad Perriman's when he's when he's with the Ravens, kind of yards per target. All right, Spencer is wondering if you can explain the holding flag on Matabuke in the beginning of the third quarter. Sure. Um, so it's it's basically very hard for a, a defensive player on lineman or defensive player period won't be uh, a defensive lineman. Let's be clear, won't be called for holding while he's rushing the passer as long as he has his hands on only one opponent. When you get in trouble, is you got your hands on two opponent, and you're allowed to do it to split the opponent if you're pushing. But if you hold one, then what you're really trying to do is keep a one of those two players from moving up to level two. And it looked like with his right arm, Matabike had a uh, a fistful of jersey or a or a grab on the guy moving to level two, and his left arm might have been pushing at the same time. So that's when you get a holding flag. It it, it when I saw it on on replay, I said, "Yep, that's holding." All right, straightforward. Uh, Zach's wondering about Queen and how much of his struggle was because he couldn't keep up with the fast wide receivers. No. Go ahead, Sarah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to give Queen's him got plenty of speed. He's got issues with coverage. It's the same thing. I'll say I'll say something different. I I, I think downhill coverage uh, on running backs and and his need to control the, the outside. Uh, near the line of scrimmage was slow in this game that he he didn't have the same kind of downhill speed getting to you know Edwards Hilaire on a swing pass or or uh, you know Bell on a swing pass other players I mean he, he he needed to do more of that more quickly in order to help shut down their passing game and and then again when he when he got there there were too many whiffs as well it's, it's just this is a shame we don't want to we don't need to keep harping on it but this was a step backward for Patrick Queen all right uh, you. You both have talked a bunch about OA already, but Brad's wondering if two weeks into a career, is there anyone who has had this fast of an impact as a Raven? From draft Mar- to making an Mar- impact on week Mar- one and week two. I mean, Joe Flacco, maybe. Uh, uh, trying to think of other, other players who've had a, as big an impact. It'd be hard to find a player who's had as big a single play because there haven't been this many big plays in Ravens history. Um, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd really if, we were talking, if we were talking about just the first two games rather than week one and week two, the first two right. games would be Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Right, but that was midseason. Yeah, midseason. So he, yeah. he was in the sidelines for a while. Ray Lewis yeah. won the AFC Defensive Player of the Week in his first game in 96, so you could point to that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. That, that would probably be the counter I would have if, he, if he's willing to die on that hill. I'd probably say Ray Lewis just as a... All right. Well, then we're going to close this out with an, hopefully an easy question and then a tougher question. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, if he misses some time with the concussion, what can the Ravens do? I think they'll stick with what they did at the end of this game and have Stone on the back end at safety. I think he gives them some real turnover potential and they'll keep use, bringing Stevens in on dime packages. All right. All right, uh, Coach was with us last week. This week he's jumping in the mailbag, wondering what can the Ravens do to not give away zone or man versus empty? Because it was pretty obvious on Sunday night. This was also something that Ray Lewis talked about on the pregame show, um, on the Ravens pregame show. He, he said even against the Raiders, he's like, they're just not disguising it enough. You're just you. He's like you can't line up in the coverage that you're gonna be in. <laughs> you know, he's like you have to make it look like it's gonna be a different coverage. And as but but as you said, Ken, Wink Martindale made the you know 
um, intentional decision not to, to have any deception out there. <laughs> so that was a decision because he wanted them to play as you he wanted them to just be uh, disciplined in the, in the, in the areas of the field that they were assigned. And so that's just what they got to do. If they, they're capable of doing it. They've done it before. They can do it again. Wink clearly knows how to do it. Some of these young guys are going to have to learn how to do it, but you just have to start off showing a different coverage and then get out of that as, as the ball snaps or right before the ball snaps and, and, and move back into it. But he wasn't even trying to be deceptive and, and he certainly can in the future. Okay. I'll, I'll say this. There's two ways to get a lot of pass rush flexibility on a by play basis. The first is to have rotational coverages which they can do. The Ravens have, have oftentimes blitzed off the slot. They even used to blitz off outside corner when they had Dwan Landry, who could just jump in outside corner. I think they have guys with speed now, Stevens, who could who could jump on an outside responsibility and take a chance. But you're not going to do that against Patrick Mahomes. Way number two is you can put more outside linebackers on the field who have the pass rush and coverage flexibility you might want. So you could have either Owe or Bowser on the field, and they could be dropping into coverage and letting somebody else blitz. That would also give you that. Uh, you can drop guys from the line of scrimmage that give you lateral movement. But the, the lack of willingness to have pass rush flexibility and all the 4-0 blitzes they did, which means they showed you the four that the four that rushed are exactly the four they showed you, um, that really limits the coverage flexibility. Because then your other seven guys, they've, they've got set responsibilities, and it's harder to rotate off that than it is to rotate off a pass rush difference. difference. So you're bringing a slot, if you bring the slot guy uh, on the blitz, then somebody's got to replace him, and that could be an outside linebacker, or maybe it could be a safety coming down. You've got various ways you could do that. But if you're not varying your pass rush, then you're probably not varying your coverage either. All right, that makes a lot of sense. That'll do it for the mailbag. Um, let's see, we did a bunch of plugs and stuff at the beginning of the show. Ken, what's coming up this week over on Film Study? All the good normal stuff. So we've got the articles on offense and defense are back this week. They weren't. They didn't do them the first week because of the trip to Oakland, the long trip back of Oakland, Las Vegas, and uh, and all that went into that. But uh, but we were able to get our normal podcast done. We'll have the, all those these, this week. The defense is uh, sorry. The offense is tomorrow, and that's with Jordan Coe. And then on Wednesday, we have the Know Your Foe episode, which is a, a great young analyst uh, who's a Detroit Lions fan and a PFF intern. So that ought to be a lot of fun. Tage Seth, he's been on a couple times before. And then on, on uh, uh, Thursday, we'll have the By the Numbers episode, and that'll be, again, with the co-host, uh, my co-host, um, Dan Reese. So really looking forward to that. We're starting a new series of historical looks at the Baltimore Ravens, which will hopefully give us some additional podcasts we can run on some of these off days. But that'll be a lot of fun. People will want to join on shorts for that. If you have an idea, send me a DM on Twitter. All right. And speaking of uh, Jordan, Gabe and Jordan uh, have the situation room that came out this morning where they put out their immediate reactions after the game last night. And that's over on Film Study Baltimore as well. All right. Outstanding stuff. I know we got some new gallery items, Josh, and maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, but there, there we'll have some new stuff coming in in the gallery in the next couple of weeks. The great new graphical representations uh, as well. All right, great. All right, well, that'll do it for today, and we will talk again soon. (laughs) 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.